When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to Mellow Monday oh, at yes. Wimbledon. Just came to me, David. It works. Just came to me. <laughs> We're sat up, up on... I've been the... with you all day and you haven't <laughs> pulled that out the back. It's amazing. I'm a, I'm a last-minute person. Uh, we sat up on the broadcast roof once again with the sun setting over Wimbledon. The matches aren't yet completed. As we come to you, there's uh, a few doubles matches still on court. Jack Sock and Coco Goff in action over on court number two against Elise Cornet, who's out on court for the second time today, and her partner, Edouard Roger Vasselin. You've got uh, Sanya Mirza uh, in mixed doubles action over on court number three. She doesn't want to retire, does she? And uh, crucially, there's Rafael Nadal in singles fourth round action on centre court. He is currently two sets to love up on Botek van der Zanschulp. Now we realise we're taking a risk by recording at this stage in proceedings but worry not if anything happens to deviate that match from its current course we will halt podcast proceedings and make sure that we we bring you an addendum to the pod. I'm feeling confident mm. that we We're all here to. because we're feeling confident in Rafael Nadal. <laughs> Matt and I have just been watching most of the first two sets and, you know, slowish start, warmed up into it, looked pretty good by the second set. I realise he's just going to break down at the start of the second. That's the not a trajectory kind of but altering moment, though, no, is it? it's That's not. Just it's a already 15 That's a blip in the road, on isn't the, it? Uh, on the van der Zandschulp so Right, well, here we are then. He has got he's better and better. back. We're fine. We're oh. fine. <laughs> yeah, and never I, in doubt. I think he's played really well again. He, as you said, a bit, a bit of a slow start. It was even those first few games, and then he just pounced at five four, took advantage of some errors, and then really rolled through the second set. Um, was clearly the best best player. I think he's playing well. I love the way he hits his backhand on on grass. That. The flat trajectory of the ball, I think, really does wonders for him on this surface. A um, couple of nice drop shots as well, manoeuvring van der Zanskulp around. Yeah, I think Nadal is looking good. That seems to be a bit of a... Th- this is another thing that's just come to me as well, okay. but that does seem to be a bit of a theme in the men's, doesn't it? Very heavily topspun forehands and flat backhands. Yeah. That seems to be a formula that 
that works well on the grass. That's what Cameron Norrie's got going on. It's what Nick Kyrgios has got going on. And, of course, most notably, as you say, Rafael Nadal. Yeah, and, and I was listening to to Leon Smith the Great Britain Davis Cup captain saying last night during commentary about Cam Norrie that he thinks that's one of his biggest strengths and it it is difficult for opponents to to have that different ball every time you know and even if it is going to be Rafael Nadal in the next round his opponent Taylor Fritz maybe doesn't quite have the extremes but his backhand is very flat and Mm. that was something he spoke about in the press conference today just how much that shot helps him on grass he thinks he did he said his forehand is slightly less of a weapon on grass but it's sort of evened out by the fact that his his backhand is more of a weapon it's something about the skidding through and the and the staying low seems mm. to be he looks a player on the crucial this. factor oh yeah big time and you know he was also talking he he beat Jason Kubler today three straight sets which okay is a good draw but all the pressure's on him in that match and he's never reached a Grand Slam quarter final before and that's because he's been losing matches like that yeah. other matches too you know he lost a really close one to sit to pass didn't he at the Australian Open earlier earlier this year he's been Andy Murray voice getting closer <laughs> um, but you know there have been plenty of times in the past when he's been losing matches like that and he's not anymore he's 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 getting through them in business-like fashion and he he was injured three weeks ago he was talking about his defeat to Jack Draper at Queen's and not making excuses but he said I came away from that tournament thinking I'm not right you know I'm I'm not ready what to, was the to have a tilt at grass I think it was the left foot injury that had disrupted his clay court season I think Perhaps he came back from that too quickly and just needed needed some tournaments on it to to play himself back into some kind of form. But that was I remember he pulled out of Madrid with a left foot injury and he'd played a lot of tennis in the early mm. portion of the season, of course, winning Indian Wells and then going on a run in Miami the week after. Well, we know he is the world's quickest healer. Yeah, I That's mean, right. for 12 real. months ago, he had surgery and played Wimbledon three weeks later. And... Um, he, he, he left the French Open last year in a wheelchair and, and did quite well at Wimbledon three weeks later. And yeah, that he, was he with, a, with a reduced period of time between the French Open yeah. and Wimbledon. Not yeah. normal. And no. if, if it is Nadal Fritz, we've got a big match example of theirs from earlier this year, the Indian Wells final, mm. which I thought was a great match. Fritz really going after the ball. I thought he played brilliantly in that match. They'd both had injury scares, hadn't they, coming in? Fritz had rolled his ankle on the practice court um, and, and screamed, screamed out in, in agony while Netflix producers mm. rubbed their hands together <laughs> on the sidelines. And Rafael Nadal, as we, as we know, was playing with a cracked rib. Mm. As you do. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> casually. Um, Taylor Fritz's mum, Cathy, played... Oh, she, she, was, she was a player, but she played here at Wimbledon on centre court against Billie Jean King in 1974. She, uh, Catherine, you are just full of stats and like mm. lines today. We're only well, about five well, minutes t- in. Taylor Fritz was asked about his... You know, what because he's from a tennis family, what Wimbledon meant to him growing up, and he said, you know... For us, it was the big one. You know, for for all Americans, it's the big one, he said. Um, And he said, I've seen video of my mum playing here against Billie Jean King. And he said she was 17 or 18 uh, and she lost one and one. I mean, I'd be quite proud of my (laughs) mum if she got two games from Billie Jean King, personally. Yeah, absolutely. But I love love that. I mean, I don't think Taylor Fritz has played on centre court yet. And I, 
I would think that that if it is Nadal, and obviously well, that, <laughs> you'll know by the end of this podcast if it is Nadal. Just, um, but you'd think that's that's centre court, you wouldn't you? Would especially yeah. as spoiler alert: the other quarterfinal is Nick Kyrgios against Christian Green, and. I mean, A, I think that's, you know, just aside from anything else, less worthy of being on centre court. And B, I think Nick Kyrgios would probably rather not be on centre court for yeah. that one. He was a, and maybe it was to his benefit, but he was a different guy yeah, he was on centre court today to what he was on court I mean, number one. It, it was like another human being had taken to the court than the one we saw on court one against Stefano Sitsipas the other night. Uh, he... He seemed to play controlled tennis. Okay, it didn't it was still it was five sets, and yet it didn't feel like five sets. Felt like a straight sets win to me. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but because he lost the first set to Brandon Nakashima, didn't he? But mm. just he just always seemed like he was in a good place in the match, and there were no real histrionics. Yeah, I mean, I still felt on edge about the potential for histrionics throughout, but that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the match today. It's more about sort of history and experience, yeah. I suppose. But it was a very odd feeling match. I mean, it's it opened centre court, I believe, because that's the slot that Australian TV wanted. I mean, for obvious time difference reasons, the earlier the better for Aussies. And Dumanor and Nick Kyrgios uh, were on first match Dimonor out on court number two so obviously started a bit before Nick Kyrgios but it was I, I watched a portion of it out in centre court with Charlie Eccleshare formerly of the Telegraph now with The Athletic and he's um, he's doing Wimbledon's uh, podcasts during this fortnight and he said it had the feeling of a 12.30 Saturday kickoff on on BT Sport just <laughs> ever so slightly weird and flat and Nick Kyrgios was ever so slightly weird and flat and for large portions of it the portions of it during which I thought Nick Kyrgios was going to lose which which were large portions quite frankly I was contemplating why can't he bring the good bits of the circus without the bad bits of the circus why has it become so on all or nothing why can't he do the high-fiving people in the crowd and asking them where he should where he should hit his serve and you know the underarm underarm tweener serves and all that why can't he do that stuff without the abusing umpires stuff yeah basically why is it not washington 2019 absolutely anymore, where, that, he's, where he's collecting sitsapass's shoes and hand yeah. delivering them on to center him. court and look we'll never know the answer to that because he won without the circus and up until sort of the last couple of questions of the press conference it was a very good nick kyrgios that we saw today on the court and off it there was one little moment in the fourth set where he started gesturing towards the umpire and someone in the crowd shouted stop moaning (laughs) and it was as if he listened (laughs) it was amazing Um, because he shouted it just you know in a moment of real silence as well everybody could hear what was said and I'm sure Nick Kyrgios would have heard what was said but it was do you know it was quite a boring match it was one of those quite boring five-set matches. Exactly what Nick Kyrgios needed. Absolutely. You know, he needs... He's never been beyond the quarterfinal of the Grand Slam. And he reached the quarterfinals here in, what was it, 2014 for the first time. Hasn't reached you know. any Grand Slam quarterfinals since January 2015. No, I mean, that's just... That's not good enough. And so all the circus and all the histrionics and everything else doesn't work, does it? Not, not if you want a proper run. Well, that's it. He has done things 
this week already and look who knows what will happen over the next few days but already he's done things that I didn't really think he could do I didn't have that much belief that he could do he's beaten a top five player over five sets he's won when there was a circus Uh, he's won when there wasn't a circus he's backed up a real emotional high against Tsitsipas and won the next match you know that's so important in slams that's how you win slams by backing it up doing it again and again he's he's never really demonstrated that he can do that and he's also won when he was a set down he's done that three times Paul Jubb Tsitsipas and today against Nakashima Mm. and he's won without his best tennis in that first round against Jubb so and today and today Mm. so you know it really has been pretty impressive really tennis wise from Kyrgios Mm. Uh, and I thought the fifth set that was the main set of this I watched I thought that was impressive today because it was it was almost about to get dicey as Hannah put it on our on our Twitter feed because well he said it was a rope a dope didn't he at the end of the fourth set when he tanked that game and he said he did that to get in Nakashima's head and I, I believe him but I felt like maybe it was a tank coming and it was all, you know, the wheels mm. were going to come off. But he, he got it together quickly, saved some break points at the start of the fifth and then just knuckled down and played a really good fifth set, I thought, because Nakashima was bringing it. He played well today. He did, and Kyrgios was glowing, actually, in his, his praise of Nakashima. He's only 20, Nakashima. It feels like we've known about him for, for quite a long time and Kyrgios thinks he's destined for big things I don't think he'd have been saying that had he lost today hmm. but um, it's, always, certain, it's always easy. sometimes to say he likes won. a certain player though mm. I, mean, I always remember he liked mm. Daniel Medvedev a few years mm. ago and he, he, he there's just one or two out there aren't there he really loves Andy Murray and, and he makes up his mind and that's the end of it mm. he um, I don't think he would have incurred any fines during the match not for any behaviour that I saw but he made sure that he in- well, I assume this is going to happen, incurred a fine after the match because immediately upon completion, does his celebration, puts his ear to the crowd, you know, gives the come on signal. He then proceeds to change into his red trainers and red baseball cap. That was very deliberate. Which he absolutely knows is going to incur a fine and also garner him a lot of attention. And he admitted that in press, didn't he? He said, he said... Yeah, he said it gets me attention, doesn't it? And any publicity is good publicity, and is it was, what he said. It couldn't have been a more opposite press conference generally from the one a couple of nights ago. This was Nick Kyrgios being asked about today's match by the moderator, which is just basically an open-ended question, and him giving the most in-depth couple-of-minute answer mm. about the match and exactly what he was thinking, exactly what he was trying, exactly what, how it unfolded. And he's a fabulous analyst of tennis when you hear him mm. talk like that. He was measured, considered, interesting, a, a kind of aware of us in the media and how we don't know him, things like all sorts of things. There was a, there was a, a self-awareness that, that you rarely see. And then suddenly, right at the end of the press conference, he, he gets asked about this, this red cap, and he kind of contradicts himself a couple of times, because in one he breath... He sort of snooked himself, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, mm. in, in one breath, he, he was, it was... There were very good questions, actually, from Matt Dunn from The Express, who, who said to him, um, you know, do, do you think you're above the rules, that you can do that? And he, well, well he, the, the first question was, why, why did you do that? And he said, because I can do what I like. And yeah. the follow-up then was, so do you think you're above the rules then? Which was a 
great follow-up. And he said no. And he was snooping no, at don't. that point. He paused, didn't he? As sort of, oh, God. And he said no. But saying I can do what I like, is that not the definition of considering yourself above the rules? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he says, I'll just do it anyway. And they said, you, you'll get fine. He goes, that's fine. I'll be, I'm happy to be fine. But he was contradicting himself. He also had made the, the point that he often makes about the media um, saying all these things about him and how, how much he dislikes it and all this sort of thing. And then at the end, he, when pushed on this uh, being the centre of attention element with putting the red cap on, he said, well, yeah, all publicity is good publicity. Mm. Effectively, and um, <laughs> which that, is something we sh- we shan't debate right now because yeah. it's uh, it's a quite but, but it was but a really a really interesting press conference I thought and um, a grown up press conference and I don't I always come out of those saying well which one's the real one well they're, they're all him aren't they they're, 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 this is in him that's in him I don't know whether he knows or is able to control what which one of him he is at any given time because. Um, he, he was talking throughout that press conference about the process, and I am, and that's as professional sounding as I've ever heard Nick Kyrgios in terms of his interest in trying to get the boat the most out of himself at this tournament and seeing how far it takes him. All the things that everybody's saying they wished he would do for the last seven or eight years, he's at least saying he's trying to do. It was suddenly very sort of media trained tennis player at the end of a. At the end of a big tournament, wasn't yeah. it? It wasn't all, yeah, I'm going to win this thing, I'm the best grass court player in the world. It was, I'm just focusing on my next... It suddenly all became, like the match, quite boring. Mm. <laughs> I'm just going to focus on my, my next he match. He said about his team, you know, I know I give them a lot of shit. They have to put up with a lot of shit from me. And, uh, and I look up at them because so many things are running through my head at a million miles an hour just before I'm about to do something. Mm. And I look at them and it just sort of brings me back. Which, I, again, I found a fascinating insight, and I believe that. I, I, I believe there's all sorts of stuff going on in, in his head um, at any, any given moment. But, um, well, he never ceases to intrigue, and that was just really interesting that he... It was like normal today, I suppose. I know that's a terrible word to use, but he was, um, he, he, he was right there. I think it was a pretty massive win for him, actually. And it, it brings his five-set record at Wimbledon to six played 6-1 that is not a stat I was expecting no, that's a great a great stat and that clearly has given him strength well, it? well he said that he said that was in my mind going into the fifth set I've never lost a fifth set at Wimbledon I think he's lost plenty elsewhere but I've never lost one at Wimbledon and that was in his mind and it gave him belief and it must have done when he was break points down at the start of the fifth as well so I, I think one of the biggest wins of Kyrgios's career Agreed. and the good news for him is that in the quarterfinals, he gets to play a guy who played for four hours and 34 minutes today, Christian Garin, and his heroics coming from two sets to love down to beat Alex de Menor 10-6 in the fifth set tiebreak. Now, Matt and I watched the early stages of this at my flat before picking a time to you know, miss 25 minutes of it in order to make our way um, into Wimbledon. And it, it was a good match, but it was a fairly straightforward match. It was like a really competitive straight set match. That was the feel of it to me. But it was like Matt had some sort of spidey sense about it. Matt was like, I'm really enjoying this match. I don't know, I don't know why. I don't know what's going on, but I can't take my eyes off this match. It's as if you knew a thing was going to happen. 
Maybe I did. And then, and, and a few hours later, I would find myself on the court for a fifth set and watching David, who also went out onto the court in, in the commentary box. And my favorite thing was that I could tell when David was doing commentary. From <laughs> I was like, I don't know, 50 meters away or something. And David was behind a glass window. And yet I could tell because he was standing up and he was fist pumping and he was really getting into it. And I was like, oh, yeah, David's on at the moment. The tennis podcast likes a fifth set, folks. Oh, yeah, we were were there. It was the place to be. And I really did like this match. And I didn't see it turning, as you said, because... It looked like a really good matchup for De Menor. I've, I've just set you up to say I did see it turning. No, I, 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 saw it I was enjoying off. it. I, I was really enjoying it. And you're right. There were. I mean, the first set was one-sided, but even the second set, which De Menor won, was close. Mm. And the third set was really close. And when De Menor went two sets to love up, that meant that he'd won all nine sets he'd ever played against Kareen. It's a matchup that he likes. Whoa. Um, so, you know, it was two sets up. It was kind of nine sets up. And Kareen had to win three in a row, and he did. And the way he turned it round was really impressive to watch. He, he started going for his shots way more because the first couple of sets they were... They were trading rallies up the middle of the court and very flat hitting. And Dumanor is much better at that style of tennis on grass. And he's much better in defence on this surface than Christian Garin. So Garin had to take the initiative and win points quicker. And he really started to. And he was joking afterwards about you know grass now being his favourite surface other than clay with these couple of Wimbledon runs he's had. And... It is a game which works on grass. It, it really does. And it's the Halep was saying this in her press conference. I think it might be the enormous thighs. Mm. Leg strength is yeah. a thing. Yeah, That's yeah. what well, Halep was saying. And Christian Green's thighs are low center of gravity huge. and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, to quote my brother to me when I was about eleven years old, thighs like tree trunks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you and I, Matt, when we got out there, we both mm. said. We think Dimonor will win this still in the mm. fifth set, and uh, I mean, look, he he had his chances. He didn't did. He, he uh, should have won. And uh, did, he had two match points. Yeah. And c- c- could we talk about what happened on one of those match points? Yeah. I mean, there he was sprawling. literally blood. Yeah. He went flat on his face. He slipped and uh, and he cut the side of his hand. And and I mean, what a time to stop! And I know that Garin was a bit miffed at this point because he's basically having to stop for about three minutes at juice. That's rough. It was rough. Um, not not Dimonor's fault, and you've got no, to do it. But he had still. to do it. I mean, his hand was wide open, um, and then and then there was challenge drama because Green was out of challenges, and he wanted to challenge a backhand down the line. It was clearly in his head. It had all the ingredients for a really fun match, including the atmosphere, and that was something that Green spoke about in the press conference, wasn't it? There seems to be a Chilean community here, mm. and they were really, really getting behind. Well, I it. ran into it at the end of the match mm. when I was trying to. David was in it. <laughs> exit, and he, Garin came out of an exit, and suddenly I'm in this log jam of people, everybody holding up phones, craning <laughs> to try and get a picture of Garin, and and I was stood there for a good ten minutes. But it was it was just a brilliant atmosphere. Mm. And the perhaps the most interesting thing about this is that, of course, this is the Matteo Berrettini vacated mm. section of the draw and Christian Garim was due to face Berrettini in, in the first round. He was the person most directly benefiting from Berrettini's unfortunate withdrawal because of COVID. And he said he was 
really annoyed that he drew Berrettini in round one <laughs> because he felt like he was playing well. He felt like he was, you know, perhaps set up for a run. And then he saw Berrettini and he thought, oh, one of the favourites for the tournament. And just think that mindset of not having to face Berrettini, maybe just freed him up and he's playing mm. even better than, than he was expecting. I, I tried to go to Dimonor's press conference, but it clashed with Elena Rabakina, who we'll, we'll talk about in, in, in a little while. And I had to leave to, to go and interview her. And um, I can only imagine that he was crushed by this. This must be one of the hardest mm. defeats he's ever had. And on match point, he tried to bend his racket oh, yes. didn't he of course. tried to break his racket over his knee Stan Varinka style and Varinka just sort of that. folds the racket over his <laughs> knee like a piece of paper or like he's folding a tea towel and uh, Dimonor tried it and he, and, it was and he, straining he couldn't do it <laughs> mm. it, it was a real metaphor for the last he, four hours yeah. all of his effort he said um, he said in press fortune favours the brave and that's why that's what I wasn't able to do oh, today. Hmm. It's kind of break, breaks your heart, doesn't it? Yeah, it does a little bit. So look, assuming that Nadal comes through and he's up five three now and serving, so again, you'll know by the end that's of this 30. podcast whether it's we think, we <laughs> shush, think we're all right. Shush. <laughs> uh, assuming that Nadal c- does come through, that the quarterfinals that we've had set up today are Nadal against Fritz and Kyrgios against Garim. They're, they're good. Good quarterfinals, aren't mm. they? Are interesting. Garim, by the way, was saying he's a real fan of Nick Kyrgios. He said, I, I, I watch his matches, and I think he's really good for tennis. Um, um, I, I, I did kind of want to say, what about if you're up the other end and, <laughs> and in Stefano Sitsipas's yeah. shoes? We'll ask you in you two know. days' time yeah. if you still and feel we like will. that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's, again, it's a great draw for Kyrgios. It is, and ordinarily I'd think, that that's a red flag for Kyrgios expected mm. to win um, but that was the case today and he, he coped with it very well so let's see let's see that's going to be very interesting indeed as will Fritz Nadal I think that again you know we said early rounds that Nadal's going to have to play better yeah. um, and he has been playing better he's got a bit better with every round I think but this is a significant step up once again Fritz, Fritz, is, Fritz is proper he's dangerous he is. Yeah, and he knows sure. he can beat him yeah, yeah, absolutely. With a sort of semi-broken ankle, if mm. if what I think is going to be in the Netflix documentary. I'll see your broken ankle and I'll break my rib. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. 
and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So what about the women's matches today? The the one that we were most looking forward to, Simona Halep against Paola Bedosa, didn't catch fire in the way that we hoped it would because Simona Halep was simply so good. 6-1, 6-2. And I don't think Bedosa played badly. I mean, I think the stats will show that she made a lot of errors, but that's because of what she was having to try and do to, to hit through Simona Halep. It was dare I say vintage and there's some real poetry in the fact Mm, that it was vintage because this was the first time she played on centre court since winning it in 2019 now I know we were we've talked a lot about our outrage and upset that she wasn't the one chosen to to open proceedings on centre court at the start of the tournament I hadn't quite processed the fact that she hadn't been scheduled on centre court at any stage since then and I that upsets me really I mean maybe maybe it upsets me less given how brilliant she was today and how perfectly you know she dealt with that moment but it was like she picked up where she left off a performance that was three years ago it Mm. it, it was it was that feeling of how well she was playing today and Paola Badosa definitely thinks that Paola Badosa didn't play well she was (laughs) she was really upset with her own performance I felt like maybe that was a little bit of a harsh assessment, as you said, because of just how good Hallett was. She, and actually going into the match, Badosa had said, Hallett likes my ball. You know, that's a matchup which was, was a struggle for me in Madrid, she said. And again, it was a very one-sided win for Hallett there. Um, I thought Badosa really put up a good fight at the start of the second set. I think the first set she did play badly, but at the start of the second set, it was... It was the competitive Badosa, in in her own words, that, that we saw the other day against Kvitova. And yet, Halep just had an answer for everything. She was rushing Badosa, she was changing the direction, she was moving in, incredibly well. It was a really, really complete performance from Halep, and way better than I realised she was playing. Look, I know she'd won without dropping sets, but... This was this was another level up, I think. It felt suffocating to me. It felt like she just had a stranglehold on on Bedos's game throughout the match. She said, she said in her uh, on court interview afterwards that she was more nervous doing the parade of champions yesterday than she was <laughs> before the match today. Which which I love. I mean, maybe because that was her first time returning to centre court since 2019. I mean, that win here in 2019. I know, obviously, winning Wimbledon means a lot to everybody that wins Wimbledon 
but I feel like it might just mean that bit more to Simona Hallett. There's something. Well, I remember something ye- about that years title ag- run. Years ago, it's probably three or four years ago now, and it might be in relation to that or when she won the French. I remember the first time I ever heard you use the the, the expression imposter syndrome in relation to tennis was about her. And I wonder, I wouldn't be at all surprised that that's kind of mm. still what she felt when she was out there with all those all-time greats. Do I really fit in here? Am I part of this? Mm. Um, well, she, she absolutely is. She is a proper Wimbledon champion. Look, anybody who's won Wimbledon is a proper Wimbledon champion. But the, she did it by beating Serena Williams and giving her a thumping. Mm. That is not something that everybody does. So she, she is a great champion already. And she's underlining it. Um, is she the favourite for the title? I think she probably is because she's the one who's done it. Um, I, I totally get why people pick Onstjabur. But, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a really interesting next few days as a result. You know, there's not, there's not one player that you can, the way with Sriantec at the French, that you can just think, right, that player's winning it. Who's going to possibly stop her? Could be an interesting next few hours because Bertik van der Zandschulp's broken back. Right. <laughs> Serving at four five thirty, love. We'll we'll keep you posted on that one, folks. Um, next up for Simona Halep's Halep, it is Amanda Anisimova six two six three for her against Harmony Tan today. I was so impressed with Anisimova. Finished it with a backhand down the line, clean winner just for Matt. He loved it. It was brilliant. David and I walked past Amanda Nisimova on the practice court on our way to court two earlier, and she wasn't hitting any backhands. She was just hitting forehands, and we just wasted. She doesn't need to practice well, the backhand, Matt. That's what I said. I refused to leave until she hit one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we made, I made myself late for the match I was going to. I had to get in, go in two games late. And then finally she did hit one, and it was a lovely angled winner onto the line. It wasn't even a thump, was, was it? No, she just, just decided. She just it. said, all right, lads, I'm just going to caress this one onto the line, all right? And look, she did to Harmony Tan today kind of what Camilla Georgie did to Harmony Tan in, in the in the Billie Jean King Cup match, which I've referenced a few times in relation to when I first saw Harmony Tan play. She just hit her off the court and served really well. Um, and yeah, it was just an imposing performance, really. And I thought that was really impressive because she had to she had to be patient at times because you know Tan did occasionally infuriatingly put the ball back on her baseline or drop it short and she just dealt with that really really well and there was one hold of serve in the second set where she had to save break points and that was the moment as soon as she came through that she was absolutely away and clear and and fine and yeah she now plays Halep and they've got an interesting Mm. head-to-head they they played less than two weeks ago and it was extremely one-sided in Halep's favour at Homburg yes as was their match at the French Open uh, in the 2020 the October French Open that was 6-love 6-1 to Halep Um, but of course Anisimova beat Halep at the French Open before that so they both know they can Mm. beat each other they've generally had really not that tight matches Um, but yeah that, that one in Bad Homburg feels most relevant same surface very recent Halep won that I think Anisimova is already a better grass court player I didn't see that much but she's been better and better every round this tournament I'm I'm really impressed with the maturity Mm. that she showed today to back up that win because that's that's what she's not really done so much of 
in the past and I cannot wait for Halep and a Samova. The um, the other quarter final in the bottom half of no top half of the women's draw that was set up today is Isla Tomljanovic against Elena Rabakina. Tomljanovic beat Elise Corno 4-6-6-4-6-3 epic match over on court number two, which was the place today for it was, epic matches. It was it's so the, good. It's the place that David found himself for all the great moments. Yeah, I loved it. Because uh, I, I, I just got a text that early on in the third set, can I go over if you know for the final set if this gets exciting? And boy, did it get exciting. I mean, these two were just teeing off at each other for such a long time. And, and you could tell Cornet was struggling physically. She had both of those thighs heavily strapped. She was limping in between points. And then the penultimate point of the match was... was w- one of the rallies of the tournament, I urge you to go and have a look at that. I don't know whether it's clipped up somewhere, but it was. It had Cornet rescuing a situation, then drop-shotting, and then charging in herself, then getting lobbed, and at the very last second, I think it was a 27-stroke rally, the final shot, she leaps for this smash, and it's right on the very tip of a racket, and she can't quite connect, and it goes into the bottom of the net, and in the same motion, she just landed on her back splat, splat you know on her back and her racket's <laughs> out and classic Cornet she just didn't move for about 30 seconds she's just lying <laughs> on the turf looking up at the sky and the crowd are going absolutely wild and uh, Tom Lillich is trying not to laugh but also trying to hold it together obviously very emotional she's got match point but you know Cornet's milking this moment and, I, and I'm thinking good on you I actually don't mind this at all drama queen it, for the people she really was and it, and it was um it was totally uplifting and then she she closes it out the next point is tom Nanovich, and then just gives an interview afterwards which was so raw oh, and honest it was wasn't it she almost fouled the net on match point didn't she did yeah, you see the yeah. the uh, the close-up replay of that i, I didn't see the close-up replay i saw that in real time and i'm thinking can you challenge that? Can you know? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at Corne thinking was millimeters away from doing it. She right. had to really contort her body not to. It was quite impressive. Um, it was it was such a raw interview. That's a good word for it. Actually, she said that because this is back to back quarterfinals at, at Wimbledon now. By far her most successful slam. She said, looking back on reaching the quarterfinal here a year ago, she didn't feel like she enjoyed it as much as she should have done, and she didn't think it would happen again. She no. thought that was my chance and I didn't make the most of it she said the biggest difference this year is that her mum is here she said her mum was was back home last year in Australia I think and um, she wasn't able to even watch on the telly that many of her matches and she said she remembered thinking what if I never do this again and you missed it all Mm. Um, and she hadn't looked at her draw she didn't know who she was going to face next the answer to that is Elena Rabakina she didn't realise she now gets a day off before the quarterfinals which to be fair I gave out some fake news in the podcast yesterday until this morning I didn't yeah, we're all know that either being taken a bit by because she got stitched up last year didn't she she played she that did. night match against Raducanu and then had to come out and play mm. about 12 hours later against Ash Barty didn't she yeah and she was just pleased that it's not the world number one that she has <laughs> to play in this year's quarterfinal she sort of said well hopefully I can at least do better than than last year it's just a lovely little you know indicator of what it means to to someone like that and it's one of the hardest things i think in tennis is appreciating the moment because 
you know, we talk about it all the time. The grind of the tennis tour is so real. There's always another event just around the corner. Mm. You don't get that much time. And also, how do you, you know, determine what is success? Because there's only one player in the draw who leaves fully on a high, having won. You know, that was an amazing tournament from Tom Janovic last year. But it, you know, it ended in defeat. And balancing losing with appreciating what you've done and enjoying what you've done I just think must be really really hard and I I love that a year on she's got that perspective she is enjoying it this year and it's you know she's back here again and she's such a good player especially on grass she's 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 got a great game for this surface and you know in okay Rebatkin is very very tough but she could she could win that she could go even further here she, uh, by the way, gave an insight, I felt, into what it is like to face Elise Cornet. Because part of the emotion in her answer, her first answer, was I just didn't think I was going to win. Because <laughs> it's Elise and she just gives you nothing. Mm-hmm. And you, you, she's always going. And, uh, and uh, you can tell that. I mean, yes, it's quite melodramatic. But it's also genuine. There's, there's real grit to Elise Cornet. So Tom Nianovic against Rabatkina for a place in the Wimbledon semi-finals. Rabatkina beat Petra Martic 7-6, 6-3 uh, in the first match of the day on court number one today. Todd Woodbridge's pick for the title, incidentally, and that really? was before she won today. And she does have a game for grass, doesn't she? And I would put Petra Martic in the tricky oh, category, and she, especially for somebody with Rabatkina's name. Again, yeah, it's yeah. that disruption thing, isn't it? And Absolutely. she. She navigated it really well, yeah. I thought. Uh, yeah, she did. Um, I didn't see much of the the match, but I interviewed her afterwards, actually, for Five Live. And uh, first time I've ever spoken to her, she was she was really really good to talk to, really straightforward and and um, matter of fact about things. But clearly, expects a lot of herself. She did say, "This is this is the biggest match of my career coming up, and uh, and I'm really excited for it." Um, she said, you know, I asked her kind of about her game and she said, look, I, I'm aggressive and I have, she said it in an press conference, I have this gift, I have this ability to to do these things, to hit the ball very, very hard and <laughs> and that's what I'm going to keep doing. You know, there's no real half measures with Elena Rebecca. Uh, what is she, six foot tall and she uses her physical gifts very well. I think she's aware of them, she's comfortable with them. Um, whether she will be able to handle the moment is still to be determined because she's never been to a Grand Slam semi-final before. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'd i be surprised if at some point in her career she doesn't crack it and get to a, at least a semi-final and probably a final. This, this could be it. She's somebody that I think of as very curtailed by the pandemic. I mean, obviously, yeah. the pandemic, it, it wasn't brilliant timing for anyone, but it feels like timing wise it was particularly bad for her she was just getting something going wasn't she and you know it's, it's taken her a while to get that going again but but maybe this is it yeah well and, and look who she's beaten she's beaten Bianca Andrescu on the way here I mean she's she's had some some good wins to get to this point yeah gosh there's going to be so much on that isn't it Tom Janovic Rabakina for a place in the Wimbledon semi-finals ah. incidentally it's gone to a tie break in the third set between Nadal and van der Zanskop. David's got it up on his iPad thanks very much David Nadal Nadal is two love up in the tie break so we're going to press on 
to all, I'm afraid. Good. Your uh, live <laughs> scores are behind. Oh, OK, <laughs> we'll press on nonetheless and hope for the best. Uh, just, just finally on the Rabakina thing, a few people have been pointing out today that she's Russian-born, born in Moscow, only switched to represent Kazakhstan four years ago, you know, getting into getting into the the very root and meaning of nationality is obviously a very knotty thing that we don't have the time nor the preparation f- to do now but a lot of people saying she's kind of russian in all but name does this expose a flaw in the ban of russian and belarusian athletes and there has been a um a news story today that's ju- i think that's just some of the um, materials for the filming of Claire Balding's BBC Highlight show being wheeled past us, <laughs> a camera of, of some sort on the trolley. Yeah. Um, uh, we have had the news today that the LTA and Wimbledon have been fined by the WTA for the Wimbledon ban. Uh, the All England Club, the LTA have been fined uh, £620,000 and the All England Club 207 thousand pounds for that ban i can only assume that there will be similar from the atp i don't know um there is an appeals process so we'll follow that and the british government have um, not responded well uh, the wonderful nadine dorries has had things to say but it's definitely best not to pay attention to any of the things that nadine dorries has to say um i mean what i would say to this is that oh is that the sound of nadal doing a thing um I don't think anybody would ever have claimed that the Russian and Belarusian player band was a perfect lever to pull in terms of, you know, anti, anti an anti-war measure. But it felt like one of the only levers available to pull. Um, and maybe this does expose a slight issue with it. But fundamentally, I think... If Elena Rabakina won Wimbledon, would Vladimir Putin be able to hold that up as a symbol of Russian glory? And I'm not sure he would. You're looking at me like, well, I don't know the mind of Vladimir Putin. No, and I mean, obviously t- none of us do, that, but that, hadn't that occurred, is what it comes down to, isn't it? That hadn't occurred to me as, a, as something that, that would happen um, instinctively, you know, um, whereas it... it did occur to me with somebody who is proudly bearing the the name of Russia. I mean, she, if anything, isn't the the it's opposite kind of the case because she's actively chosen yeah. not to represent Russia. It, it yeah, um, I, I can't. I can. I can see the the point, but it hadn't occurred to me really. Yeah, it had occurred to me, um, and as I said, seen the the point doing the rounds um, in various circles. So I. I thought we needed to address it, but mm. personally, it does. It leaves me sort of unmoved on where I fell on on the whole thing. Same. Um, how's Nadal doing? He is five two up. In okay, the tie break. We, we're still going to press on. He's just had a thirty shot rally that he's won. Okay. That was the roar. Yeah, great. Let's press on. I'll bring you tomorrow's order of play. Um, Let's spin this out a bit while we find out if Nadal actually gets the job done. We start on centre court with Novak Djokovic against Yannick Sinner and then it's Marie Buzkova against Ange Jabeur. And court number one is the all-German clash between Tatiana Maria and Julia Niemeyer and then Cameron Norrie facing David Goffin. Are we happy with that order of play? Yeah, I think I think so. Um, 
it's uh, it's something that I'm having to get used to, really, because it's not been done like this before. The the women's quarterfinals were all played together on the same day in the past, and and in one way, I I liked that because it just gave them the stage and the platform to be the centre of attention all day long. Admittedly, over the two courts, but that's what you got. Whereas with this, the way it's scheduled, you've got the men up against the women, effectively, um, with the men first on one court and the women first on the other court. That maybe isn't ideal um, to, to some degree, but I don't know. I, I think it's a good order of play. I think it's right that uh, Norrie, I think, is on court one. I think that's right. Uh, with with Djokovic against Sinner on on centre, I'm, I'm not sure everybody would agree with that, but I, I think that's right. Um, and yeah, I think it's a good order of play. What do you two think? Yeah, I think I think I agree. Really, I think the point there about the men being up against the women that is a bit of a concern in terms of how much the women will get on TV tomorrow. Certainly here in the UK, I would have thought that they would start with Djokovic versus Sinner. And then obviously they're going to show Nori versus um, David Goffin. And they will show all of these matches. It's just that which one will they headline headline with, mm, yeah, yeah, on the main channel. Just draw your attention to a, a to-be-arranged ladies' invitational doubles match featuring the partnership of Kim, Kim Clijsters and Martina Hingis. Ooh. Uh, and there's another one featuring, uh, in fact, there's a few I'd like to draw your attention to here. <laughs> Yelena Jankovic and Agnieszka Radvanska, third on court 14, facing, facing uh, Flavia Panetta and Francesca Schiavoni. Yeah, and Radvanska said on Five Live yesterday that she hasn't seen Jankovic for eight years. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> would watch that one, would watch. And it's followed by, in fact, I might just go and station myself on court 14 tomorrow because after that, it's Goran Ivanisevic and Mary Pierce up against Greg Rosetsky and Anne Kjordavon. <laughs> Let's do it! Podcast <laughs> honestly, team Honestly, over there. I'm going to be in the front row for that. Do you think there's press seating? <laughs> Not sure. Um, there, are some, there are some fun partnerships in the uh, Legends event. Daniela Hantikova and Laura Robson playing together. I think they play their first match tomorrow. Uh, you've got uh, Vanya King playing a Legends event. Vanya King and Yaroslava Shvedova. Marvellous. Mm. It's all happening in the Legends tomorrow. Uh, so that's tomorrow. Has Nadal got the job done, or do I need to start talking no. about the juniors? Baltic van der Zanskul keeps saving match points. Barbora Krejcikova is still in the uh, ladies' doubles, the women's doubles. They play quarterfinals tomorrow. She and Siniakova against Nicole Melikar Martinez and Ellen Perez. That is first on court number two. Should I read you some other assorted? Matches from tomorrow. Tommy Haas and Mark Philippoussis playing James Blake and Daniel Nestor. OK. These are big names in the Legends tennis world, is Another it? Another match point oh, save. for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Nadal was 6-3 up in yeah, this time. It's now 6-all. It's, it's now 6-all. Oh, goodness sake. Any Blimey. other business? Anyone? Hmm. Well, what's the order of If it goes 6-all, we'll pause proceedings. It is 6-all. Oh, is it? Oh, blooming heck. Um, I've got a bee in my bonnet about best of five doubles, men's doubles here. Well, yeah, most most humans on site have. I, I just, <laughs> I just, I know it's only here that they play best of five men's doubles, but scheduling is so often used as a reason why you couldn't have women play best of five sets at slams. But we've got a slam accommodating best of five set men's doubles. Hmm. I mean. 
No, I, I mean it's it's it's, 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 it's daft. It's it's really really silly, and and I, I think most of the players, the male players, would rather not be doing that. Um, I, I did find it quite interesting listening to to Billie Jean King say actually she'd like everybody to play best of three. She doesn't mm. want best of five in tennis. Um, she, she said, women, absolutely, you know, if, if that's what we need to do, that we're, we're ready to do it. But it would be better for the sport if it was best of three. Yeah, and look, I, I think I've always said, or most recently have said, if that's the only way to achieve equality, then I'm, it's more important to me that men and women play the same format than it is that we have best of five set tennis. My ideal would be that we preserve best of five in some way. Um, and I believe it's possible to do that while preserving equality. Well, we've come up with a system, haven't but, we? <laughs> yeah, we have. But but best of five sets of men's doubles is hogging all the court time, so apparently our system isn't possible. <laughs> has, has Nadal won yet? He, he's got another match point. Okay. <laughs> One of the benefits of um, best of three in singles is that you do see way more singles players play doubles, especially when mm. the doubles is best of three as well. It's extraordinary the number of top WTA singles players at the moment who are also top WTA doubles players it's completely different to the men's game and you know in many ways I think it's I think it's a really good thing that we see Goff and Krejcikova and Mertens and all of these players um, playing doubles and singles I think I think that is a big tick on the side of the, of the WTA compared to the ATP there's also been a big tick just on my app <laughs> <laughs> He's done it, folks. That was not only interesting, Matt, but a heroic effort to get us through to uh, through all the way to the end of match point. Nadal is through. The podcast doesn't have to be re-recorded. <laughs> That's a big point. few from us. So let's do the formalities. We've got Willow, our lovely, lovely mascot. Right, Willow. David's got Darwin. Yeah, Darwin. No well, but they got points two today. In a, two in a row, Darwin. Tom Lianovich this time. Yeah. Carter, we were let down by Brandon Nakashima, but don't worry, Nick Kyrgios thinks he's got a very bright future. <laughs> uh, the dearly departed Gerald the Cat is with Matt today. No points for them. No points. Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Ilana Kloss. Kyle Weingartner and Chris Albert Lee are our executive producers and top blokes. And we've got shout outs. We do. We have Jenny Hartland in Melbourne, which feels very appropriate. There are a lot of Australians playing today. Yes, yes. At one point, the Kyrgios de Menor quarterfinal looked on, mm-hmm. and it they might have just been too much for Australia. Two, to out, have of, two out of four. Yeah, two out of four. Yeah. One in each draw, that's good. Uh, tennis Jenny's. Jennifer Capriati. Jennifer Capriati. Any actual Jennies? I've got Jenny Meadows, the runner the British runner who Jenny Hartland might not necessarily be familiar with Jenny Brady she can be any version of Jennifer exactly so I've nailed it very well done David David. thank you Jenny for your support hello Brady yeah just thought about her I know it's wild isn't it it, I hope she's back Mm. she brought a lot didn't she in that that, um, US Open Australian Open Helps us through the pandemic. Yeah. Gosh, <laughs> I'm, I've been rocked by the mention of Jennifer Brady. I've not thought about her. Anyway, t- we also have TJ in Austin, Texas. Right, TJ. Hello, TJ. Oh, always, I... always wanted to go to Austin. Me too. Why Let's did you go. want to go? Well, it's really, it's a really cool city, isn't it? I mean, I'm not sure I'd go there now, um, but uh, yeah, I always wanted to go to the. Um, 
South by Southwest music festival there. Oh, okay. I wanted to go because Andy Roddick lives there and he, ta- he keeps talking about how great it is. And there's, you can go boating and playing golf and all sorts. Yeah, I think it's a very cool, you know, y- y- young, fun city, from what I hear. <laughs> so 48-year-old grey-haired man. will right fit in, David. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you, TJ. Pretty sure there aren't any tennis TJs. There are. TJ Middleton. I've got nothing. Yeah, doubles player. Oh. Look him up from what? Sorry, era. TJ, I Quite thought you recent. were unique. I think he might even be current. Wow. I hope I haven't made that up. <laughs> I'm sure it's true. I'm sure you're right. Finally, we have Emma Crosby in Ireland. Hello, Emma. All right, Emma. Definitely set for tennis. Emma's, we've got Emma Raducanu. Yeah. I thought we had more, actually, but I have run dry at Emma Raducanu. Any, out, any t- tennis Crosbys? Ooh, can't think of anyone. I've just found out that TJ Middleton is 54 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, might even be current. He's a tennis player there, former professional tennis player for the United States. There you go. <laughs> this has been a wild ride, these shout-outs. <laughs> but Emma, thanks ever so much for being Thank our friend. Thank you, Emma. Thanks for being our friend. Thank you all for being our friends. If you'd like to be our friend and get yourself a uh, slightly odd shout-out, <laughs> uh, then you can do just that. The link is in our show notes, as is the link to subscribe to the newsletter. Matt, can you give us a stat tease for today? It's good. Sign up. Oh, read it. Matt Roberts, you are good. <laughs> that was, if, if only you could see the face he gave me Amazing. while he was delivering that line. Epic. Um, what else? Tell your friends, leave us an Apple podcast review, all that jazz. And most importantly, join us again tomorrow when we hit the quarterfinal stage of Wimbledon 2022. We'll speak to you then. 